Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. It's everything that I don't like about being a parent rolled into one big ball of fun. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. It's Swiss Cheesy. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I've had a lot of jobs. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. Across the railroad tracks, down the road. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we are talking about the mom that COVID is making me. For better and worse. Sometimes both. <laughs> for better and worse. I do want to say for better and worse because there's been good and some bad, some happy and some sad, Amy. Yes. This topic came to us from Kristen Howerton, who is a fellow parenting writer, podcaster, and she wrote an article for the New York Times called I Hate the Mom That COVID Has Made Me that got a lot of attention and I loved it. I'm going to link to it in our show notes. And I thought that this would make a good topic. And so we went to our Facebook group like we always do. Facebook.com forward slash what fresh hell cast asked you guys, how has the pandemic actually changed you as a parent? And we got, of course, some great answers like we always do. Always do. And before we dive into that, Amy, we are going to start a new little segment on the podcast today. Are you excited? Exciting. Yes. Always fun to have a new segment. It's called Mailbag. We're going to read a mail. A mail? Not a thing. A letter. (laughs) It's not a letter either, though, really. An email (laughs) from a listener. A collection of bits and bites from a listener. Didn't I set up this new segment wonderfully? (laughs) I mean, people must be so intrigued right now. Amy, open the mailbag. Tell me what we have inside. This week we have listener mail from Lee. Lee says, I've been listening to your show since the very beginning, and I feel like I'm listening to good friends at this point. Thanks for keeping me going during the pandemic. Your real talk has made me feel seen and not alone during this hard year as a parent. Thank you so much, Lee. That's exactly what we hope to be doing. We would like you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Mostly we want you to leave us a review that says we're awesome. If you think we stink, maybe don't get around to this chore. <laughs> or you can email us at info at what fresh Hell podcast. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys. So Kristen Howerton's article, she the example she uses, she has four sort of tweens and teens at home. And she talks about the moral dilemma that she's having about whether or not she should let her kids even hang out with their peers. Because if they go skateboarding, 
and they say, I'll keep my mask on, you know, 50-50, they will. And she knows that teenagers need to be hanging out with their peers, but it's become a complicated thing during this time. And she hates that. I identified. I found this article a little tricky to relate to, honestly, because my kids are younger. Mm. And so it was a this like unsupervised teens. And I definitely talked to mom. So my oldest is 12 and we also just happen to live a little bit out of town. So our town is like a village where a lot of kids walk around and hang out together. But we live on the outskirts of town, like a Bruce Springsteen song. Across the railroad tracks, down the road. Across the railroad tracks. But so my kids don't, and I have three kids who hang out mostly together. And they have, we are potting with their cousins. So that's five kids. Yeah. And so I have to say, I don't really encounter this that much. Usually when I take them out, we go down to the train station, which has become in a kind of fun COVID way, this like bike center. So it's a huge train station parking lot and no one's parked there because no one's taking the train. And so it's just like miles of kids, like all riding different forms of scooters and bikes and stuff. So that's really fun. And there's a playground there. But there's a lot of parents around, so and we live in a very mask-accepting community, so I know my kids are keeping their masks on. And if they took it down, another parent would yell at them to put it on. So I don't really have this issue of kids unsupervised. Well, you hit on something right there, which is like that if your kids didn't have masks on, that some other parent would be there to say, hey, put a mask on. I feel like a lot of us don't live in communities where that's the case. I mean, I live in New York City where... The other day, I was walking our dog, and I just didn't put a mask on, because sometimes you forget, right? And I had was in the middle of crossing the first street when I realized, due to the you know, looks of disdain and disbelief I had gotten from three or four people, you know, right? Those looks you get, and you're like, what, am I naked? And oh, I don't have my mask on. <laughs> so basically, you are naked in New York City. <laughs> I was naked, yeah. I did not get very far before realizing, and it wasn't intentional. But yeah, I think a lot of places it's like my daughter did a car ride recently where she got in a car with another parent just for a couple of minutes and had a mask on. And the mom said to my kid, oh, honey, we're fine. You don't have to have your mask on with us. And my daughter said, and that's okay," And she kept her mask on. And that was a good thing. But, you know, I don't know why that parent did that. I don't think that's a great choice. But I understand that we're coming at this from very different things. And that's why this gets so complicated to let kids out of your sight. That's one way that COVID has changed me. I do, you know, everything becomes more fraught. Can this kid come over? Can they, if we open a window and they wear masks, can he come over and see the new dog for a little while? That kind of stuff. Well, and we're whatever we are, almost a year into this thing now, you know? Yeah. 10 months? Yeah. And so... We're over it. We're tired of it. And there's always people who are sort of like, well, it's not that big a deal. Oh, it's a big deal to us. I mean, and so we have basically hunkered down at home. And so my kids go to school, whatever, two days a week. And I assume that the people at school are pretty strict about the mask thing. And so I guess we've just sort of opted out of this situation. The people who we go to see, I'm like, you have to keep a mask on. But especially my little one is not great about it. And I'm like, we only see two people. But, you know, I don't know how many people those people see. There are definitely holes in the, what do you call it? You know, the shield. Yeah, it's Swiss cheesy. It's pretty Swiss cheesy. But we basically have taken, I heard this on a podcast 
it was referred to as the hammer and the dance. Yes. And like that in an, a pandemic, the way this has always been handled is like you dance out for a little bit and then the hammer comes down. And I'm, that's basically how we're approaching it, that right now we're in a stay inside mode. So some people, I think, are getting more like, oh, I can't take this anymore. I need to live my life. And some people, it's starting to go the other way. If I can quote Sarah, one of our listeners, she says she's getting more paranoid. She Being near people is starting to freak me out. I'm having social anxiety on behalf of myself and my kids that she didn't have before. So some of us are going that way that every encounter feels more fraught, not less. I have an observation about this. Tell me if you think this is right. I feel like, okay, like a lot of people are like, well, I have this tremendous anxiety. Okay, like we're in the middle of a global pandemic for a disease that seems to affect people differently. It does not seem to affect kids terribly, but then you've had an experience where it's been really difficult on your kid. Like, yeah, I feel like I want to say to all the people who are like, I feel weirdly anxious that there's nothing weird about that anxiety and that you can deal with the results of that anxiety when this is over. But while you're in it, I think it's okay to just be like, we're going to hunker down because it's making me anxious. Yeah, but the anxiety is contagious. And so I understand, like Molly saying, she wants to teach her kids what's safe while not having her anxiety about this moment rub off on them because it is contagious. So you have to manage your anxiety, at least in front of your kids, enough that they don't know that you're anxious while you're freaking out a little bit about the masks. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I just think that like worrying that you're anxious seems to me, it just seems very legit to be anxious, right? Is another thing to be anxious about. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Right. Yes. If you are getting to the point where you are like obsessively like cleaning doorknobs all the time and your anxiety is getting out of control, that may be something you have to deal with. But I also think that it's an anxious time and that on the other side of this time, there may be some work to do on like, let's try to stop being so anxious now because this is over, you know, but while you're in it, being anxious about it seems to me like a pretty reasonable response. It's fine to feel really anxious when you're drowning. Yeah. As long as you compartmentalize it and don't let your five-year-old, you know, like that's why it's extra hard for parents. Right. You don't want to scream in your five-year-old's face. Oh my God, we're drowning. Right. That's not the way to go. But I have a friend named Neil Kramer. I'm going to put his link in the show notes too. He is getting tons of attention for his absolutely fabulous photographs that he's taking. He's keeping a photographic journal of his life during quarantine in a one bedroom apartment with his elderly mother and his ex-wife. Oh, you know that dude? Yes. He's a Listen to Your Mother alum. I used to do Listen to Your Mother and he was in one of our shows. He's an amazing photographer, funny, funny guy. You've got to look at these photos, but he posted a truly beautiful photo and story yesterday. I think it was said like day 293 of this experience. And they realized that they didn't give their doorman his Christmas tip in New York City. Like you got to tip your doorman and say thank you for everything, especially this year. Right. And they realized they never did it. And it's kind of embarrassing, kind of weird. Goes down to the lobby. The guy's actually taking down the Christmas tree for the apartment building. And Neil says, oh, this is for you. And we just wanted to thank you for everything you did this year. And the guy sticks out his, you know, burly man hand to shake Neil's hand. And Neil reaches out his hand and then has this moment like, oh, Dr. Fauci would tell me not to do this. Like, should I do this? Ah, This huge anxiety around this moment, because that's the person that COVID has made him. And then he decided to shake the guy's hand like he just had to do it because he hadn't touched anybody 
that he didn't live in the same apartment with in nine months and had you know this profound experience over touching another human being. That's the person that COVID has made him. And I found it really moving because I'm like, gosh, I want to shake hands with that guy, too. <laughs> Sounds nice. Yeah. But at the same time, like we're still in it. You know, I mean, that's what I just keep coming back to is like. We all want all of those things, but there's a reason we're not doing those things. I mean, it's fine to shake the guy's hand once, hand sanitize. All right. But there's also a reason why we're not doing all of this stuff and a reason why it is scary to do this stuff for reals. Yeah. And so one of the takeaways and Amanda Lynn hits on this, and I think it's I feel like this is a crux issue for me of coming out of this year is. She says, I tell my kids that other parents are doing things differently and all we can do is take care of ourselves. And for me, this is one of the big takeaways of this year. And I found it thematic. We were listening back to the podcast to get ready for our year in review episode. And I was interested how often this came up, especially for moms and women's women's (laughs) women's folk, the women's that giving yourself permission to take a stand that other people disagree with has been a really good exercise for a lot of us. Yeah. And I think that that is something that is a mom that COVID has, that giving ourselves permission to make decisions that we feel are right and standing by those decisions in the face of opposition is something that I think a lot of us struggle with. And we've talked about it in terms of like, if your daughter's sick, you're like, Get me a nurse in here right now. This is what needs to happen. Right. I'll become that person. Yeah. In those specific situations. Right. Only. Right. And it's not until full mama bear is triggered that you feel comfortable standing on that ground of this is what I want. I had an experience of working with someone last year and she was extremely clear about her needs and wants. Was it me? It was you, Amy. (laughs) I'm subtweeting you right now. Her name was... Shamey. It was definitely not you, but (laughs) some of those needs and wants were very specific and made my life more difficult. And I remember being very struck by her ability to express needs and wants about stuff that I might have deemed less important. Like, well, for the greater good, we have to do this. And she's like, nope, this is what I need to get through the day. This is what I need to get this to happen. And I really tried to take away from it this feeling of like, it is absolutely okay to not always be the one who sacrifices for everybody and works to make Early on, someone said to me, or someone said about the larger picture, but I heard it. It is not your job to make your spouse's work think a pandemic is not going on. You know, it is not your job to keep 10 kids quiet, you know, so that no one knows that he's not really at the office. Like, he is at home during a pandemic, and there are consequences to that. And I, for me, that's been a huge takeaway this year. Like, it's not my job to make other people feel comfortable by taking off my mask. You know, it's not my job to bend our life pretzel like so that my husband still works a nine hour day without interruption. Like, yeah, it's not my job. And I kind of loving marinating in that a little bit. Yeah, that's something to take with you. A takeaway. All right. When we come back, let's talk more about the uh, moms that COVID has made us. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary 
diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof. Crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. I want to start with this mom that COVID has made someone because I thought it was really interesting. Leah is the mom of somebody with a life-threatening food allergy. Oh, I thought this was so interesting, Amy. So fascinating. She says, I've had a strange experience during the pandemic because my oldest child has life-threatening food allergies. So the rest of her life, the rainbow world that we're all longing for is when she has a constant anxiety and fear, she says, that danger can be lurking anywhere. In a way, this year has been so different, she says, because I knew exactly what I had to do to keep him safe. And I've barely had to think about allergies at all because all of our food is prepared at home and eaten right in front of me. Yeah, it's like we came into her world, basically, you know? Yes. Like she's always lived in a world where everything is like this. Dangers everywhere. Right. Yeah. And now we're all dealing with that world. And that's another thing I hope we can take out of this is like it has made us open our eyes and our hearts, hopefully, to some degree to like some people really have this heart in a way that is something that we're kind of all experiencing together because we're all in the heart together. Yeah. I think, you know, and we often talk about and hear from people who are like, so what you guys are talking about is hard because you're parents. But for me, it's super hard because I have a child with special needs, because my spouse and I have lost our jobs, because we don't have family nearby and we live by ourselves, because I don't have a community of mom friends. And it's like, I think that this is another lesson of the pandemic is like, opening your eyes to what makes other people's lives 
hard. Yes. Because now you're feeling the hard and maybe that allows you to think about how hard it's always been for some people, you know, how much extra parenting has always been involved for a lot of people. How much isolation is involved. Like Jennifer is a special needs parent and she says her younger daughter's medical issues, you know, have always sort of limited her freedom. But even now she has to do to doctor's appointments and drive up Target and drive up Starbucks and that's it. And the good part of that, she says, is that she can focus on her child's needs and her kid has made more progress because her mom has been able to focus on her more completely. But of course, the flip side is there's no socialization for the mom or the kid. And that's really hard. Yeah. And I think for some people, the hard has given them this great feeling of perspective. Like, oh, I thought it was hard, but now we're in extra hard and I can't wait to go back to regular hard. We had a very, very dear loved one who got extremely ill recently and survived, thank God, but it was close call. And my husband and I were talking about it afterwards and we were like, I've never been so glad to be bored. You know, Mm. we went to the edge and now our kind of generic COVID boredom seems so refreshing, you know, and I think that there's a lesson there of taking this dip into hard and coming out and appreciating things more. But I also think for some people, the difficulty of this has been it's like crystallizing their diamond of hardness. You know, it's like being at home with a kid with special needs who's not getting their services, being at home with an elderly parent who has dementia, like, and now there's nowhere else to go. I mean, people are in situations that are so vastly difficult. And I think that, you know, we need to be encouraging each other. That's what we try to do with the podcast and trying to support each other and reaching out for help when we need it. It reinforces... Like Just to finish what Jennifer was saying here, she said she was finally learning the lesson for herself that she can ask for what she needs, that she can say, I need help, and that family and friends will give it, and she doesn't have to do this alone. And then all that support was you know, taken away from her, and so she's going to have to relearn that lesson again. We do, as moms, think, I think, that like only I can handle this, only I know, you know, what symptoms to watch for and how to track and how to do the research and how to, you know, do the worksheets with the kid or whatever it is. And this time, unfortunately, is sort of reinforcing that reality. We don't even have a choice to make another choice right now. Yeah. And that's why I'm thinking about this, my take on the anxiety stuff and that I think if you haven't listened, go listen to our wintering episode with Catherine May. We're still hearing from you guys how meaningful that episode was. And we agree. We loved that book and that interview. Because I think the big lesson of that interview and the lesson for right now that I'm not trying to dismiss people's anxiety and hardness, but I'm saying like, yes, there are times where we have to like go underground, fetal up and be a little bud that's waiting for spring. And for me, that's what I just keep coming back to is like, that's right. This is the time of the pandemic. And so longing for handshakes and worrying about, you know, that I'm worried that there's I'm more afraid of germs like that all makes sense to me. And so that maybe it's just a time to be a bud underground and realize like we're waiting. And that's what where we are right now. Yeah. And that that acceptance of it, I think, is just an important phase. One thing that I found in, in reading people's responses to is for a lot of people, it's both. Yes, it's both. And this reflects my experience very well. 
that like a lot of people are saying, I'm loving the time with her. Amy says, I'm so happy to have my kids at home. know they're safe with me. Our relationships and bonds are strong and tight. The flip side is mom guilt, tsunami of mom guilt, and the people and experiences and things that they're missing from their lives. And this is an important point that we often have to remind ourselves. We can feel two things at the same time. Yes. But what sticks out at me is the personalization, right? They're not seeing their friends. And I feel guilty about that. I understand that feeling, but I just want to sort of highlight that. It's definitely not your fault. The pandemic was not your call. And yeah, it's not your fault that this is happening. It's probably on you to fix it more than the other people around you. I get it. But feeling bad about it, it just weighs down your backpack that you're carrying. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's a beautiful, beautiful David Foster Wallace. He's a writer and he has this essay. I sometimes have taught it in my public speaking classes and I'll find a link and put it up. But it's about being a fish and that the idea that a fish doesn't realize that it's in water and that like being human consciousness is all about being like, this is water. This is water. I know where I am, you know, and it's hard to convey like the beauty of the whole idea, but I think this is winter is what we've learned. This is a pandemic. Yes. And that stopping wrestling against like my kids are missing this and the kids are okay. They are getting to that point of like, I can let go of the mom guilt. I've also had an experience for me, which a lot of other people have reflected that I'm kind of loving it. I love not having anywhere to go. I've always had a little bit more of the voice that's like other kids are learning Mandarin. Oh my gosh. Other kids are on travel soccer. My kids are just coming home at the end of the day and making Legos. They must not be really good kids. They must not be as good as the other kids. And I've kind of loved being like, make your Legos. <laughs> I have freed myself from that voice so much. But I also understand like I have a huge craving for social interaction. I have a huge missing of my family and the travel and being able to be with all of our loved ones. But I just keep trying to say to myself, like, this is water, this is winter, this is a pandemic, and like, yeah, and stop struggling against the bonds of it so much because that's where the pain is. Seema says this. She's gotten pretty enlightened around this with her four year old. She says she can have the iPad as long as her behavior is good. I don't care what she eats as long as she eats. If she wants to watch cartoons so I can work, fine. Carpets need to be vacuumed. Bathrooms need to be cleaned. I get to them when I can. Seema, I need a little bit of what you're drinking there. I've given myself permission to just be, and that has done wonders for my anxiety and how I parent. So somehow she has managed to find less anxiety during this time by giving into the clutter. That's, that is what I'm struggling with now. Everybody home all the time. Like, don't throw the one shoe here and the one shoe here. Like, finish a glass and put it in the dishwasher or at least in the sink. Don't just leave it there in the table or the bag of chips or whatever. The amount of cleaning up after people that I'm doing is constant. And it's because of me. Like, I'm trying to accept, like, my husband doesn't really care if there's a few too many things on our night tables, you know, like four glasses and a box of tissues. It doesn't bother him. It bothers me. So I can clean it up or I can not let it bother me. I'm a little bit stuck in that because everybody's around all the time. Or you can find a middle ground, probably. One thing I did do is we have a dining room table that is the dining room table that was in my parents' house and my grandfather ran a inn. And so we had this, some beautiful like antique furniture from that inn. And that was our dining room table. And then 
during even before COVID started, I had an aunt who was moving apartments and she's like, I have this huge dining room table. And I was like, well, we already have a dining room table. But then as I was looking at the kids, like they're on this beautiful, lovely, it has fold down sides. So they're like leaning their elbows on it. You know, I remember sitting at this table as a kid and being told like, never put your elbows on the table because it would break the, what do you call them? You know, they're fold out ends basically. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to do that while the kids were doing their homework at this table because our dining room table is like the only place to work in our downstairs and so I took my aunt's kind of beat up dining room table you know it's like missing finish and stuff and that's our dining room table now and I moved away the nice dining room table I have it in storage we take it out for nice meals whatever but I also just committed I went to Ikea and bought like a you know a sectional huge ugly thing that has shelves in it basically so that everybody has a cubby and there's markers and I'm like for the duration of this yes for this season my dining room table is going to have crayons and markers and stuff you know on it all the time and that's something I've just accepted like I can't keep going back to one the way I like my house to look because we're in a pandemic I can't do it yes (laughs) yes Yes, our living room has been taken over. We have like a giant table. It's not, it used to be our dining room table and it became, I didn't want to get rid of it. Like this is the table for the art projects and the puzzles and the, you know, photo albums and whatever somebody's working on. It can just be, remain set up. Well, of course, that's become my spouse's workspace and it is, you know, it's an eyesore. Let's put it that way. And there's like, you know, 14 things and coffee cans full of cough drops and just randomness. And sometimes I tidy it up because I because it does depress me a little bit. This is what my house has become. But yes, it's not going to be there forever. It's just where we are. It's emblematic of where we are. And I need to let go of the idea that my house should look as if we're in normal times. Yeah, I think the theme I'm coming to in this episode is the only wrong way to do the pandemic is to think that it is your job to make everyone think that there is no pandemic. Yeah, even myself. That's the only thing that you can do wrong. (laughs) My eyes want to not see pandemic, but that's not possible right now. Right. I'm homeschooling three kids. Like there can't be no pens, you know, and no pencil cup. (laughs) And, you know, we always used to, my best friend and I used to always make this funny distinction of like, people whose house looks like no children live there and people whose house looks like children live there and we were always just mystified by the like people whose house looks like no children like where is the stuff you know yeah and sometimes people just hide it away and whatever if that's how you like your house to look great but I think that it's people whose house looks like there's no pandemic going on it's like uh, that might be a bar too high right now it's a spish Yeah, and it it just seems very stressful. Like, (laughs) people come over now and they have to move a cup full of crayons out of the way if they want to eat at my dining room table. And also, spoiler alert, no one comes over, so it's fine. Melanie says that she is more present during this time. This is another positive one. I like sort of ping-ponging between the good stuff and the bad stuff because we need to remind ourselves it's not all bad. She says she's more present and on top of things because she put her job on hold. So that's the bad part. But the good part is she can totally sense what her kids need because she's not running off places. Her kids have an immunodeficiency disorder so that she needs to be on top of their needs a little bit more. And she's also become more patient because she has more time. Yeah, I do think that thing of like, you know, it's not quite as much as like, the whole day is centered around finding shoes and getting to the next place is it's quite lovely. 
I'm all for it. Yeah. And it's not as simple as that. It's not like, oh, it's all fine because now we don't have to find shoes. Like, we're also stuck at home with a bunch of people who we never intended to spend this much time for. And some of us are cut off right. from things we desperately need, you know, services for our kids or elderly loved ones or all this terrible stuff that we're cut off for. But I do think that thing and Claire says it, it's allowed me to shed bad moods and be more present because I have nowhere else to go. And I think that that in some ways it's allowed us to see each other more clearly. Like my kids, I think, are much more aware of what my actual life looks like, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that there is a gift in that. And I, you do have to control yourselves. Like I do find myself sometimes being like, you know what, just everybody, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, and I can't go there. And I've had to work at controlling that because I do get to a point of like, I'm so done and I've so done everything that now my behavior could go wherever it needs to go because that's just fair to me. Mm-hmm. No, it turns out not. And and I've done that, like the parallel for me is eating, right? Like in the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to just have whatever the heck I want because I'm living through hard times. I deserve it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm 10 months in and I'm like, maybe not. Maybe that's actually gross. It doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. And so like coming to a place where I can exist with four other people and maintain a decent working relationship with my own mind has been a journey, a journey. I mean, not always a straight line, but it's, I think, letting my kids in a little bit more to that while also protecting them from like some really big truths has been useful. I have a thought on my big kids and I'll tell you what it is right after this. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own, and today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get 
$100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen dot me. And use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, the mom that COVID has made me. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Pre-COVID. Honey, you forgot your scarf. I mean, I don't think you'll need it. After COVID. Oh my God, come back. You forgot your backup mask. And here, take this second backup mask. Pre-COVID. We will have 45 minutes of purely educational screen time a day. After COVID. All right, weekdays. You can have two hours of fun screens after your six hours of school screens. Weekends, at this point, listen, it's a free-for-all. Try to turn off your screens if your headache gets too bad. Pre-COVID. Okay, Simon has travel soccer, and then Claire has ballet class, and then recital rehearsal, and then I also need to get Owen to play rehearsal. We can probably fit in dinner by about 9.30 p.m. After COVID. Anyone want to play some Muno? I made muffins. Pre-COVID. How was school today, sweetie? Did you learn anything fun? After COVID. All right, let's go through this one more time. The French and Indian War was also known as the Seven Years' War. It marked a new world conflict between England and France as yet another chapter in their long imperial struggle. This has been the mom that COVID has made me. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, Amy, hit me with big kids' thoughts. I had a moment yesterday, and I think it's helpful in this moment. One of the good things that COVID has done for my parenting is, as you said, our kids now see much more visibly what we do all day, right? Whether we work outside the home or not. All the invisible work has become less invisible with probably a lot of shouting and and, (laughs) insistence on our part. But I feel like I've done it. Yesterday, I had to make lunch. It was just my two teenage boys and I were home. And they said, Mom, what do we have for lunch? And I actually think there was some pulled pork in the refrigerator. And I said, there's pulled pork. Get it out. And they got it out. And, you know, my oldest put it in a pan and heated it up. And the other kid got out like some rolls and put them in the toaster oven. And then they ate it. And then they kind of started to walk away. And I said, guys, let's clean up lunch because it'll take five minutes if we do it all together. And I had one kid scrubbing out the pan and another kid loading the dishwasher. And we have, after all this time, moved past, I don't know what to do with this, right? I don't know how a dishwasher works. I don't like all of that stuff I had to go past. I don't know how to turn the burners on. Like I had learned helpless kids and they now know how to do laundry, make themselves lunch, clean up after themselves. It was a moment when I could stop and look back at how far I had climbed, and I felt fantastic about it. And you should. That is another thing that I have a kid, he's 10, and he loves smoothies. That's his favorite thing. So at a certain point, we came to a role that he can have one smoothie a day, and then he's always asking us to make him smoothies. I mean, it's only once a day, but it's always at a time where like somehow, you know, my husband's on a work call and I'm this and (laughs) it's never a good time for a smoothie. It's never a good time to make a smoothie. It's annoying as heck. And so for whatever, seven months or so, it's been driving us crazy. Like, and finally this weekend, I was like, you can have a smoothie if you can make a smoothie. Yeah. And I just sat back and I told him how to make a smoothie. And, you know, he still needs like a step stool to get to some of the stuff but he was happy to do it he was proud of it and then he made them maybe like three days in a row and one day he was like hey could you make me one today and I was like yeah today I will and then tomorrow you can go back to making them like it doesn't always have to be about like 
I deny you any help to make you independent and gritty. It's like, yeah, I'll make it. Actually, today's a good day. I have some free time. I'll make it for you. But generally, you can make them yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And my oldest is going off to college. Like He needed to learn these things, and he did. So COVID has made me a parent who is backing off, and I feel great about that. And then it does help you say yes. Like Michelle says that she gets to tell her kids yes more now. That's the mom that COVID has made her because we're all home and there's more hours in a day. I loved this response. She says, can we make popcorn and watch a movie? They ask. Yes. Can we set up a giant wedding in the living room for Barbie and Spider-Man? Yes. Just put it away when you're done. (laughs) You get to say yes more. Yeah. I love that. And that is something my spouse, we talked about it a long, long time ago, has a, a strange tendency because he's a very like uh, giving and loving father. He has a strange tendency to say no to everything. Like it's just a weird almost quirk that he has. His Like his default setting is no? Yeah, it's just a weird default setting. Like, hey, can we go run around outside without our shoes on in the cold snow? And he's like, no. And I always think, So it's one thing that I have talked to him a lot about. Like, let's convince ourselves it's not a yes instead of coming as no from Mm -hmm. the deep. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, they're going to go out, make a little bit of a mess. It's fine, you know. And it's not just him. I do it, too. But I think that is something that the pandemic has really brought. Like, don't say no to any. I've heard so many people quote it back to me. And it's you never interrupt a happy quarantined person. Yes. And if like there is a game where the two boys want to see how long they can stand outside and bare feet in the snow. <laughs> what's the possible downside of that? It gets them outside. They're playing together. They're laughing and having a good time. They're not going to get frostbite. They're going to come in when their feet get cold after three seconds, you know, but they think it's hilarious. And if they make a mess, they have to clean it up. But otherwise, I think this is a great pandemic lesson is like that coming from yes as my default instead of no as my default yeah and yeah my kids have done a lot of like cannot yesterday my eight-year-old she had just gotten a cookbook and she wanted to make cookies can she make cookies and she didn't even know like she's like what does one over three mean you know she didn't she really was not ready to cook by herself (laughs) but she ended up doing it and then I was very seriously like a big part of cooking is cleaning everything you use which is something that her mom has not yet learned but you know and she took it very seriously and she produced these three ingredient cookies that were pretty delicious you know and she felt great about it and that's the kind of thing where generally like can I make cookies I'm like no you're gonna make a big mess and then I have to clean it up but there's a little bit more play you normally would be no actually you've got to go to ballet in 10 minutes and so we don't have time and then your brother's got to be here so we can't get all the stuff out and yes there is that kind of yes that I think is we just got a lot of more time and space which has a million downsides but it has some upsides you can see things through to completion my son has a very complicated card game he likes to play it's called dominion you know just one of these like strategy heavy like I have a villager times four and another action which means I can buy a duchy and that kind of game oh god yeah Not my happy place, but it's his happy place. No, so not my happy, my miserable place. And they take, of course, a couple hours to play. And he will, you know, of course, humiliate me in the end. (laughs) He will win. It'll just take a while. But we've been able to sort of like leave that stuff set up for as long as it takes to get through the game. Because who cares? Like seeing things through to completion and not interrupting because there's ballet in 10 minutes. I hadn't thought of that. You're so right. It is a good thing. Christy says this is something I've really found because as everyone who listens knows, I really am not a 
lover of remote learning. Like it's everything that I don't like about being a parent rolled into one big ball of fun. But Christy says... A big positive has been learning more about how each of my kids learn and, quote, do school, unquote. And that that has been useful to me. And I have in the past on the podcast talked about opting out of homework, which I was a big fan of for my young kids. But as my kids got older, I never like seven hours of homework. I mean, I'm always going to resist that. And I'm always going to write the note that says we didn't get to this. Sorry, like we were busy having a family dinner instead of doing seven hours of homework. My kids are young, by the way, I think by high school, you know, you got to make a little bit more allowance for this stuff. But I have always found homework useful in terms of like, oh, your problem with math is not that you don't understand the order of operations. Your problem is that you make really careless mistakes and you forget to change the negative number to a positive number. Mm -hmm. And so that's a different problem than not understanding the order of operations. And your problem with reading is that you have trouble reading not out loud. You know, you have trouble reading silently. And when you read it out loud, you do better. So you can keep reading out loud for as long as you need to, you know. And so getting insights into how my kids learn, great. Everything else about remote learning, horrible. We did an episode called What This Has Taught Us About Our Kids. So I guess I'll link to that in the show notes, too, because, yes, this was this insight into how they learn and the way they learn and the way their teachers teach, which is, of course, different on Zoom than it is in person, but still just to be a fly on the wall ever and understand what's expected of them at different ages has been really fascinating, I think. Yeah, I mean, I really am because I have three remote learners who are on Zooms a lot of the day. I mean, I am seeing their classroom experience and it's also been a good lesson. And I've talked about this a lot. I am from the school that we don't undermine children's teachers to them ever, you know, that we never say like, well, that teacher's an idiot and that's why you're having a problem. Mm -hmm. That teacher's stupid and that's why, you know, he doesn't know you're so brilliant. I mean, extreme examples, but even just teachers who I think are a bad match with my kids. But I have been able to say, hey, you know, this teacher is really strict about having your papers in order, you know, which is something that maybe I think is not as necessary as some other people think it might be, you know, but I don't say like, oh, this teacher's so uptight and he's going to yell at you to get your things together. But helping have the perspective of like, guess what? Life is full of difficult people. You know, I've had 500 jobs maybe at this point. I've had a lot of jobs and bosses are annoying and difficult and have different expectations. And that's what teaching is too. You know, I mean, you're not going to love every teacher and every teacher is not going to be a good match for you, but it is your job to figure out how to adapt. So if you're having trouble concentrating, you better spend the 45 minutes in this particular teacher's class sitting still. Use it all up with that teacher because some of the other teachers have a little bit more leeway with that. But you know this one teacher, it drives him crazy when you, you know, are squirreling around in your chair. Whether or not I think that's a reasonable expectation for a 10 year old on his seventh Zoom call of the day. Listen, there's always a flip side, right? If a teacher's being abusive and really taking out or your kid has a special need where they're not able to function and the teacher's giving them a hard time about it. I don't respect that at all. And it's fine for you to go in and have a meeting about it. But I'm just saying in general, like helping your kids to learn to adapt is a really useful thing to do. And you don't have to do it by being like that teacher's an idiot. Yeah, they're learning to operate from the place of maximum generosity, right? And seeing their teachers as people that have preferences and you can accommodate stuff. And I think it's a good lesson. And we would never see it. 
Yeah, and you can say like, oh, it's really difficult because I'm a squirrely kid and this teacher really seems to be bothered by that. Like, that's a good perspective to have. But it's not that they're an idiot and you're the greatest. Right. It's that people don't always meld perfectly together. And then we have to figure out how to adapt to that. On the flip side, Meg says, this is the first time I have been able to advocate for myself to say no and not feel bad for saying no. We don't have to do all the momhood things that we think we have to do. That pressure is off, thankfully. That's, I mean, that person has my name and also my point of view. I'm real into that. Like the pressure yeah. to take time off of like being on this race to nowhere, you know, which is like, is my kid the best at something? Because every other kid is the best at something. And are they doing enough enriching activities? And they are, are they having enough play date? It's like, I really have enjoyed being off of that. Yeah. I think the flip side of that perspective comes from Jennifer, who says she's a nurse. So she's had to work through this whole thing while her husband's at home. And she's had to let go of controlling how parenting gets done. Mm. And that's another thing that like, if I want to get anything done, my husband has to step in and take care of a lot of stuff for me so that I can record the podcast so that I can, you know, so that he can supervise one part of the remote learning and I can supervise the other, you know, and I do find myself being like, no, 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 he learns better when you sit him down and fill in the answers and then you go back and review it. You know, it's like that's not he's got to figure out his own relationship with that kid and their work. Yes. And you can get annoyed, as Jennifer says, you get annoyed when the detail that you put into things doesn't happen. And the kid maybe goes to school with a bag of pretzels instead of a carefully thought out lunch. But it's also an opportunity to see that kid makes it home from school that day, having had pretzels for lunch and you move forward. Yeah, I think both of those things are really true that like on the one hand, you're letting go of expectations around how you make a perfect kid is running them through all these hoops. But on the other hand, letting go of the control of like, I make a perfect kid by making everything yeah. turn out perfect is those are both things that we can maybe let go of a little bit during this time. Yeah. And so I think our solve it, Amy, is that this is really hard. It stinks. Don't be afraid to be a bud underground <laughs> for a while until spring comes. But also there are lessons from this that we're going to take forward. Some are good and some will be really happy to never have to think of again. I love our Facebook group for conversations like this during this time. There are tons of parents on on there in this moment together talking it out and you can find the group at facebook.com forward slash what fresh hell cast and you can find us anywhere on social media by just googling what fresh hell podcast we're on pinterest now mm-hmm. your platform of choice whether it be twitter mm-hmm. tiktok youtube just find us wherever we are guys and do go leave us a review on itunes that always helps the podcast and it helps us find more people and we hope you're doing well and we'll talk to you next week so long everybody Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. 
My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.